Hello, welcome back to part three of The Blood Charms, chapter 10 onwards. Who knows where we'll stop. Um, This is dedicated to the one man that came up to me um, during one of Dan Nightingale's work in progress shows in Grappling Hall and, and requested more chapters. This one goes out to you, fella. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I was buzzing. This week's uh, episode of Dean has a meltdown, trying to do accents. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we was going to get uh, a friend to help us with all the voices, but um, everyone's in Edinburgh, so it's just us and our many personalities. Just me and the three voices I can do. <laughs> you can honestly, like, be, it's like... Aliens! <laughs> Alien you can do cast somewhere. like that. Yeah, okay, I'll try. Yeah. I think it'll do everyone's head in now. Nah, we love it. We love your voices. You can do Attenborough. Um, anyway, let's oh crack my on. Gosh. Chapter t- So she's just gone through a wall in a trinket shop in the marketplace of Capello. With Luna. With Luna, in case you forgot. Sorry, it is a while between chapters, but. Um, Maybe that's life sometimes, isn't it? That sometimes is life. Sometimes you only get to sit down and read a bit of a book every few weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what this is. Oh, um, we'll release it in one once big one every ten years f- yeah. for some people. Me, yeah, um, yeah. You, we release it in full when it's all done as yeah, well. Yeah, we, so we will. We will just sit and listen to the mm-hmm. whole thing. Okay. On Riff Show, a narrow stone passageway lay ahead, lit by floating flames on either side. As Lily passed them, they snuffed out leaving her to carry on forward into the light or backwards into darkness. It was a clever ploy to quicken her pace, and soon she came to a chamber at the end of the passage. There she found Luna, manoeuvring around mounds of clutter. The room was a collage of crates, chests, candelabras, jewels, books, all stacked high and wide on top of one another. There was a thick wooden table in the centre, dusty and disordered with objects. With a bend of her pallid fingers, Luna flung the mess into a pile on the floor where it blended with everything else. Forgive me, she said, gliding around the table, her grace emphasised by the chaotic surroundings. I have not prepared well for your company. Though I have longed for it over the years, I am ashamed to admit that my hope had come to the brink of non-existence. It's fine, Lily assured us. Yeah. Not caring about the mess in the slightest. Her mission was to find a way home, and in that her vision was tunnelled. One by one the others joined her, squeezing into what space was left. River eyed up the mess, crinkling her nose in disgust, but good manners kept her complaints at bay. I must first inform you of our travesties, Luna began. Staying rooted to the floor, she beckoned boxes and tools from around the room. They coursed swiftly through the air. One of them almost collided with the back of Theodore's head. You have reached us through a combination of serogophagus excretions, nebula residue and blue orchid pollen, administered via the serogophagus itself, is that correct? Lily nodded with uncertainty. Yes, that's correct. They unclarified for her. She found our home by chance. Yes, luckily, River added. I actually find this whole thing very unlucky, to be honest with you, Lily said. Overcome by a need to voice her disagreement, she gave the Tromises an apologetic glance. 
I'm grateful for everything you've done for me, don't get me wrong, but this is just beside the point, really. This was Lily's time to speak, even though her voice felt like a tiny squeak in a bottomless chasm. All her pent-up anger and unanswered questions came spilling out. Theon, here, has briefed me on Zephyr's struggle against the Oriax, but that's all I know. I don't understand why I'm here, or what I can possibly offer you. I mean, look at me. Lily opened her arms wide for all to examine. For the first time in her life, she was not afraid to exploit her lack of height or weedy build. As sorry as I am about what you're all going through, I just I just don't see my part in any of it. And I would love more than anything to go home to my family. I don't even want to think about what my mum's going through, wondering where the hell I am. And my brother, he'd be heartbroken. I need to get back to them. She pushed her lips together to stop them from shaking. I don't belong here. Luna stood silently for a while before sighing. In that moment, she appeared weakened, like a thread to pull loose, threatening to turn her into a pile of velvet on the floor. I have practiced this speech a thousand times, and still I cannot fathom a way to deliver this information painlessly. Lily flinched, the threat of tears stinging her eyes. This was not the response she was waiting for. I assume your acquaintance, Theon Tromis, has informed you of the serogophagus culling performed by our fatal enemies. Luna did not await a reply. As a result of this, a transplanatorium spell would prove near impossible to find. However, what many do not know is that hidden within the walls of Mount Morganite are many sacred potions and ingredients. So long as the Oriacs have failed to discover them, they should still be intact. As you can imagine, this information is of dire importance and not to be uttered beyond the confinements of this protected space. Should the Oriacs exhume these potions, then, like the Saragophagus population, they will be destroyed. Luna spoke the next words slowly and gravely. It is the existence of those potions which stops your desire to return home from being an absolute impossibility. I'm just trying to be like regal or something. Lily tried to swallow the lump in her throat, feeling closer to madness than ever before. Theon told me about Mount Morganite. Isn't that where the Oriacs live? How am I supposed to? Tears spilled, catching her off guard as her voice broke. You've got to be messing me. Please. Please tell me there's another way. I can't. I can't. There is no other way. Luna's words were blunt. An executioner's blade severing hope at the neck. But, but there has to be. Lily turned to search the Tramis' faces, looking for something that wasn't there. Her blood boiled hot, but her soul felt cold and lifeless. Why am I here? She demanded, spinning to face Luna. Why did that creature pick me? Can you at least tell me that? You are here to defeat the Oriacs and their black magic. You are everything they are not. Everything their magic is not. That is the reason you were chosen. Your good heart. Your loyalty. Your desire for peace. Your integrity. Your human blood. 
Each quality will counteract the evil of the Oryx if harnessed, amplified and used correctly in battle. Your mind, body and soul must be battle! Lily spat the word back at Luna. You expect me to battle those beasts? She released a crazed cackle into the air. <laughs> Though the suggestion had always been there, a bear trap hidden beneath the leaves, Lily never thought for a second that it would become her reality. You're all insane. Please, Lily, calm down. Calm down. <laughs> Say nothing. Calm to down. <laughs> her hands trembled at her sides. No. What you're asking of me is pure madness. Surely you can see that I am no use to anyone. I am not significant. I, I am not a fighter. I'm not a genius or strategic or creative. I'm the opposite. Invisible. Unremarkable. Bland. The human embodiment of water. I offer nothing here. It doesn't make any sense. Lily could feel her family slipping further and further away with every beat of her heart. It pulverised her from the inside out. Without another word, Luna gripped the rim of her hood and cautiously drew it back. Lily and the Tromises gasped in horror as their eyes traced over the scars ripping vertically down her disfigured face. (gasps) Mm. (gasps) Put all them all as one track. (laughs) Five gruesome claw marks ran from brow to chin, slicing through her eyes, turning them white and rocky, like two whole moons resting on cliff-high cheekbones. Her lip was dragged upward into a permanent snarl. That's a nice line. Thanks. The two moons. Yeah. Luna inhaled a shaky breath. Water is fundamental in the continuance of life. It is also able to erode the strongest, most resilient of structures. It has the ability to both create and destroy. It is almighty and imperative and should not be underestimated. So in that sense, the human embodiment of water is precisely what you are. Both the sincerity and the authority. Absolutely bodied her there, didn't she? Discouraged Lily from arguing back. Instead... She stood enthralled, listening, like a spell of obedience had been cracked over her head. It is all a matter of perspective, young one. What you consider obsolete from one angle can can be wholly transformed when viewed from another. You must learn to look at yourself differently from now on, if you wish to live. I have lost my kingdom, my home, my family. My importance and my sight. In waiting for you, I almost lost my mind. I am in the darkest place imaginable and still your greatness is plain for me to see. For my heart to feel. All that is left to do is find an angle from which you can see it and feel it yourself. Lily stirred for a long moment unblinkingly. Her face was damp with fallen tears. Many arguments came to her mind, but none of them made it past her mouth. I I just... I need to go home. Lily realised then that 
that she was not the only one to suffer a great loss. Compared to Luna, it seemed she had barely suffered at all, which made her feel bratty, almost. Though she was not the only one to suffer, she was the only one to give up so quickly. And that hit home hard. You don't honestly think that I can help you, do you? I know it, Luna. I know you are the one. A saviour comes to light and night, surrounded by a glow of white. But I'm not the one. Angles. Theon whispered from behind, making her eyes roll. Inside her, Lily felt something shift and drain away, leaving her hollow, an empty vessel on a changed course to somewhere uncharted and dangerous. It was a surreal, out-of-body experience that left her questioning whether she knew who she really was. Was there more than this to Lily Luther? Will you join me in restoring Zephira to glory? Luna asked. I don't feel like I've had a choice, she answered honestly. You could choose to give up, but I know your fight is stronger than that. You have never yet given up on life. I, I, how, how will I, what, what do I? Have you ever? uh, Did you, have you ever? She fell silent, her mind unravelling at an alarming pace, trying to make sense of the nonsensical. Eventually she managed to speak. If I help you somehow, do you promise to get me home? That is the very least I will offer you. Luna replied, our world will be forever in your debt. Perhaps it was hearing Luna's tales of war that roped her in, making her own problems seem so much smaller, or the fact that she was trapped and had no other option. Regardless of whether she took a stance against the Oriacs or not, defeating them would be her only way home. I'll do what I can, as long as you promise to help me. Luna wasn't able to smile. Instead, her scars twisted tightly against her skin. Thank you, Lily. You cannot begin to understand the importance you hold or the gratitude and hope you bring to every Zephyrian that is good of heart. With the flick of her wrist, a mixture of powders and liquids began to coalesce in the centre of the table. Her magic spun them together without the use of a ball, and then the paste combusted into a blue flame. Your hand, please. Luna clicked her fingers to summon a blade from across the room. She caught it mid-air with beautiful precision. Again, narrowly missing Theodore. A tra- <laughs> <laughs> One minute now. A trembling wreck. Lily offered up her hand and Luna's fingers wrapped around her wrist like a shackle. Are you going to cut me? I only require a small incision, she explained. Nothing to be afraid of. The flames from the table cast shadows on her face, making her look even more ghoulish. Lily's heart pounded furiously. For this spell to work, I must incorporate three drops of your blood and a string of your thoughts. Both extractions would be virtually painless. Lily gulped and considered recoiling her arm, but it was too late. 
Luna had sliced a line across her palm. The blood oozed and slithered across the ingrains of her skin, creating tiny scarlet tributaries from the sea of blood inside her. Luna closed her hand into her fist and forced it over the flames. Automatically she winced, expecting the fire to lick burns over her skin, but instead the flames were cold. A fire of ice. Once the drops of blood had spilled, Luna moved fast to bandage the shallow wound, all the while mumbling an enchantment to herself. The words were indecipherable, but they had a strange effect on Lily, making the world around her wave and jitter. As Luna placed three taps on Lily's temple, everything snapped back into focus. She drew her fingers away, creating a strange pulling sensation. From the corner of Lily's eye, she could see a strand of silver thread pinched between Luna's fingers. She continued to tug at it gently, causing a rattle inside Lily's brain. What is that? What is that? What is that? What's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? What is that? What is that? She winced, but no one answered. When the thread reached a foot in length, Luna gave it a final yank, severing it from the source. Lily's hand flew to her temple in shock, realising that the thread had come from inside her head. Um, Theon. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen that done before. Theon marvelled. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) What just happened there? She panicked. Turning to Theon for answers. Luna was too far into her enchantment to speak. She's just extracted a segment of your thoughts. He answered, leaving her no less bewildered. She turned back in time to see Luna dropping the thread of her mind into the flames. 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 (laughs) She turned back in time to see Luna dropping the thread of her mind into the flames. Flames. (laughs) Can't not hear that, no. Flames. Flames. Violent crackling ensued. Inside the flames. (laughs) Followed by a burst of coiling grey smoke. When the smoke faded, a quivering pool of silver was revealed, dancing in circles with a mind of its own. The drops folded in and out, over and under, slithering and weaving until a final formation was achieved. A thick chain of stagnant silver lay alone in the centre of the table, no longer buzzing with life, but dead and tarnished. Luna picked up the chain and beckoned Lily over. She fixed the silver rope to her wrist with surprising ease for the crookedness of her fingers. Each charm, she explained, is a representation of the troubles you harbour inside. They depict the obstacles that have hindered your progress through life and which will consequently impede on your victory when pursuing Solaris and destroying the Oriax. Remember, the Oriax are different to you and I and you must be in peak mental and physical condition to stand a chance against them. They seek misery and heartache the same way a sane person would spend their entire lives searching for happiness and love. So your weakness must be banished, lest the Oriacs pluck them from you and feast upon them. 
Lily toyed with each charm in turn. They were dull, dreary things, and the fact that they had come from the confinements of her own mind left her feeling afraid. It was one thing to dwell with monsters inside her head, but to have them drawn to the surface and visualised in the real world, if Zephira could be called such a thing, was entirely different. There was a dagger, a wilted flower, a scuffed heart, a silver droplet, a bow and arrow, and last of all, a poor discoloured sun hanging like an elaborate manacle around her wrist. My work here is almost done. Now it is your responsibility to alter each charm. Excel in any way that you can. Grow as a person. Learn from past mistakes. Exercise the abilities that you have kept chained in the depths of your despair. Do this and your charms will transform as you do. Then, and only then, will you be ready to face the Oriax. Lily blinked back Lily blinked back silent and mystified. She was scared of what to say next. Scared that a step in any direction might be the wrong one. The chain suddenly felt so much heavier, carrying with it the weight of a world. What a lovely, concise and organised way of keeping track of things, River admired, swooping in to wrap a motherly arm around Lily's shoulders. And discreet, Theon added. Lily must fade into normality now, Luna said. She must hide in plain sight so as not to arouse suspicion. Concoct a credible story to explain her being here with you. We had family in Andorra South, but they, they fled to Sedina, River contrived. We could say that she's come to stay with us because her parents have fallen ill. We all know how tough times have gotten, especially for Andorians who've left their home behind. Especially for especially for Andorians who've left their homes behind. I doubt anyone will question us further. Never doubt the inquisition of others, Luna stressed. You must prepare for all eventualities. Your story must be layered and solid like rock. Continue to strengthen it once you return home. I'm sure I don't need to emphasise to you all the importance of keeping Lily's identity a secret. You do not. Theodore confirmed with conviction. And if you can, Lily, please try to soften that accent. It's not very Sephirian. Hey, sound like an Edinburgh reviewer. <laughs> Luna summoned a small bottle from across the room, one with a pump fixed to the lid. When pressed, a rosewater mist fell over Lily's head. This will mask your scent for now, she added, passing her the bottle. Though there isn't much left, I suggest the promises buy you another. Absolutely, River nodded. Not a problem, we'll get one on our way out of town. Luna bowed her head, pulling up her hood. Alcor will begin your training once he finds suitable grounds. Time is slipping away as we speak, we must get things underway. Venture home now, promises, and await my instruction. Lily turned to leave on command, feeling as though she had been shortchanged on answers. Her heart was still fast and hopeless in her chest. It's all right, dear, River soothed, reading her sullen expression as they neared the door. The promises are here for you. 
They all made his way to Luna, looking jittery, suspicious even. Lily spied over her shoulder as they spoke, their mouths hidden, voices hushed. She guessed from his wide-eyed glance in her direction that she was probably the topic of conversation, but she didn't have the capacity to care. Lily closed her eyes, took a deep breath and exited down the passage, praying to herself that one step in front of the other would eventually lead her home. Chapter 11 As Lily approached the marketplace, it seemed less vibrant than before. What had just taken place in the tiny trinket shop proved more extreme than anything this little square could offer. A large chunk of herself still couldn't believe what was happening, and she didn't know what it was going to take to make her reality seem real. Lily couldn't understand why so much responsibility had been placed on the shoulders of someone so incapable. No one ever handed her a scalpel expecting her to perform surgery, because there were people who specialised in those fields. People who had studied endlessly, perfecting their skills for years. And then there was her, a nobody. Each face she passed was another life that needed saving. Another weight for her to carry. We should go to the bank. Theon decided. Theodore made a feeble attempt at whispering. I don't know if that's the brightest of ideas, my boy. My boy? (laughs) (laughs) My boy? It's dangerous, River mouthed. Theon shook his head. It will be an educational experience, and we need tokens to buy a scent masking potion. His mother eyed the crowd, one eyebrow plucked suspiciously. Just a small visit to the bank then, she said, her eyes and mouth shrinking to emphasise the smallness. (laughs) 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 If we must, Theodore grumbled. Your mother and I will wait by the doors outside to keep an eye on who's approaching. To keep an eye on who's approaching. Theon nodded and turned, his arms stretched out stiffly to usher Lily along. Our methods might be different to your uh, our methods may be different to your own, so try not to look bewildered. Don't you use money? she asked. We call them tokens. He explained. How do you get your tokens back home? From working. Just labour, nothing else. This question puzzled her, and she had to think for a minute. You can sell things as well. Ah, so we are alike in that too. Do you use photographs? Sell photographs, she asked. Like photography? At this, Theon appeared puzzled, his brows sliding together confusedly. No. He said, lowering his voice as they approached a set of stone steps. As far as Lily could see, this and the theatre were the only solid buildings in the square still in proper use. Try to act Sephirian, he prompted, and they pushed through a door at the top of the stairs. It pounded shut behind them, hushing the noise from outside. Lily searched the room, thinking that it didn't look anything like the conventional banks back home. There were no queues or people in matching uniforms with mandatory smiles on their faces. In the centre, a few paces away, sat a single counter. It was magnificently big, carved from mahogany wood and set with a marble top. Behind it, the wall was covered in pigeonholes, each one housing a jar of some sorts, making it look more like an apothecary or a sweet shop than a bank. Stood just before the counter was a sturdy tripod which carried an antiquated field camera, 
field camera full of brass fittings, the kind which folded out like an accordion and used plates instead of rolls of film. Hello there, friends. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome. <laughs> Is he too cockney? That's perfect. Oh, right. there's, there's no, we're just doing functions. No, I know, but everyone's either cockney or mank, it seems. An old raspy voice sounded from the back of the room, making Lily jump. Theon fired her a warning glance for acting so skittish. She had failed to notice the slight and fragile man standing as ancient and as dormant as the rest of the furniture. He crept forwards to gain a better view from the top of his balding head to the slither of his ankles, peeping out just below the crop of his breeches, The man was completely freckled with age spots. I'm going to do a following conversation between me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, good day, Hesper. Theon greeted. His eyes squinted like a shrew emerging from the soil. Well, if it isn't young Theon Travis, <laughs> how goes your mother and father these days? I haven't seen them for some time now. <laughs> Just for what your listeners, Dean is trembling. Dean is method trembling. Method acting with his trembling. They're well, thank you, Hesper. I let them know. I let them know to pay you a visit soon. Good, good," said the old man, turning his attention to Lily. "Hello," she offered in a most queenly voice. "I'm Lily." Theon's cousin from from my mother's side she's come to stay with us for a while Hesper took his time examining her still searching for an impossible family resemblance a pleasure Miss Lily Theon coughed drawing Hesper's attention back to himself (coughs) I would like to trade in a memory please Hesper for and a day of labour and a day of labour Oh, yes. Jolted, remembering where he was and that he had a job to do. Right away, Mr. Trobbis. Hesper shuffled back behind the counter, one un- un- one unhurried step at a time, then crouched down to retrieve a number of things hidden beneath it. If you'd like to stand on the X, Mr. Trobbis, I realise it's out like Bruce Forsyth. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be with you in two ticks. Theon gave a snort, whispering... Two ticks of a comic clock, maybe. <laughs> what? That, oh, was that you? A what? A comic clock. He repeated, the humour gone from his face. A clock that measures the reoccurrence of the comwet. <laughs> <laughs> that was a small mistake. <laughs> the comwet. I'm trying to be like Ron Burgundy. Uh, a clock that measures the... A clock that measures the reoccurrence of a comet. I think you need to delete that, because I said it again. <laughs> A clock that measures the reoccurrence of a comet. You have those? That's what I make. He walked over to the white X painted on the floor, just ahead of it of the tri- just ahead of the tripod. Five more minutes passed before Hess rejoined them, carrying with him an obscure collection of items. He ducked under the blackout fabric fixed to the back of the camera, and the noise of, of mechanical and the noise of mechanical clicking sounded from beneath. Preferences? Seventeen years, please. Theon answered. Right-ho. Again, a clicking noise, followed by the sound of something slotting into place. Then a loud bang, a bright flash, and a puff of smoke. Gotcha. He said, emerging from the shroud. Get a under that curtain as our Hesper. Emerging from the shroud with a satisfied smirk on his face. 
first of all, back to the counter. <laughs> <laughs> Unsurprisingly, Theon got there first. That sounded like a smooth one. Oh, it was. It was. It's always easier retrieving memories from the young, but of course they have less of them, so you don't want to take too much. Hesper, Hesper placed down the plate from the camera, then with a miniature hammer began smashing it to shards. Lily observed with quiet fascination, stopping her eyes from bulging too wide. Next, he split the shattered remains into three small jars, adding a pipette of liquid to each before securing the lids. He shook the first jar so forcefully that Lily worried his arms might dislocate. I can help. Theon offered, but Hesper was quick to refuse. Quite all right, Mr. Travis, he said, his words shaking with him. Oh, he was proper shaking yeah. then. This is the only exercise <laughs> I get these days. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm inclined to just get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> By some miracle, at the shake of the old man's wrists, the shards transformed into an iridescent liquid. Hesper took a square sheet of paper and placed it beside the jar. Then, with a clean pipette, he extracted a drop of the liquid and squeezed it out onto the sheet. The fluid bled across the page in colours of every kind, swirling, merging, until it settled into a final image, the hands of a toddler pressed against soft purple scales. Theon took the picture and three golden tokens which Hesper pushed across the countertop, tucking both things away in his pocket. Thank you. He said. My pleasure, Mr. Travis. It was good to see you again and your companion. Don't hesitate to stop by again soon. Business is quite business is quiet at the minute. <laughs> good to see you too. I'll tell my mother and father you're asking after them. Goodbye. Lily smiled and waved farewell as casually as she could, but inwardly her mind was ablaze. What exactly had she just seen? Once the bank doors swung shut behind them, Lily looked to Theon for explanation. What was all that then? (laughs) 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 I've traded in a memory and a day of physical labour for tokens. He replied simply, tapping the pocket of his trousers. As the price. Now I can buy things with them. I gathered that much. I don't, I just don't understand how. How can a camera take away your memories? Or a day of labour for that matter? What does that even mean? All good, River asked, and the two nodded. It means, Theon continued, that I'm famished. My body's been sapped of energy. Someone else would buy it with their tokens, usually elderly Sephirians who can't get around like they used to. Or people with strenuous occupations like builders. I wouldn't mind some extra energy myself. Theodore grumbled. Takes a lot of sustenance to keep this big old lump running. (laughs) Don't I know it, dear? But how? Lily asked. Theon looked around, making sure no one was listening in. I could go into the engineering of it. List off all the different elements and components. But I don't think you'll understand it. Lily recoiled. You think I'm stupid? No. You're not unintelligent, actually an alarmingly fast learner. But you barely understand what the camera does, never mind how it does it. If you want, I can go through it with you later, when I'm not so photo-fatigued, or fatigued, as my friend Cass calls it. (laughs) Remembering how long her list of things to learn already was, Lily decided against it. Nah, it's fine, 
But the photo that he gave you, is that just a piece of memory that you've traded in? Yes. I don't know what the memory was because it's not in my head anymore. All I have to go by is this photograph. And who buys other people's memories? Various Safarians. Sometimes artists buy them for inspiration or people in search of a life different to their own. If word of you got around, people would be scrapping for a piece of the saviour's mind. It'd fetch a fortune. Lily shivered at the prospect of having her memories plucked from her brain. That's weird. The system is good, but it's not without its flaws. That's true, River nodded. There are some Zephyrians out there who have traded in everything they have. Everything which makes them them. Sometimes it's to fund dirty habits. But often, unfortunately, it's to make ends meet. You don't see many of them round. If they've brought shame to their families, they will more than likely be shunned. They walk around aimlessly in the wilderness, no longer knowing their own name in some instances. We call them nomads or shadows. Awful, Lily murmured, like magical smackheads. Have you ever seen one? Theon nodded sadly. A friend of mine. Sometimes her father comes home and can't remember who she is. Yes, the poor dear. Didn't Theodore think I was a nomad? I remember him mentioning it vaguely. Theodore grumbled his apologies. I'm afraid I was foolishly wrong on that account. Don't worry about it, Lily said. She had plenty of other things to be touchy about. Primarily being mistaken for a saviour. Theon led Lily to a stall, larger than the rest and better covered, like a tent with burlap walls. Theodore stood at the entrance, a boulder blocking out the sun. Inside, hundreds of glass bottles glittered in the shade, like a cave of rubies and emeralds, sapphires and amethysts. Each one was an intricate, hand-blown masterpiece. Potions. Theon whispered. Check the labels for anything related to disguising odors. Lily squirmed, uncomfortable with how often her smell was being mentioned. This must be what it's like to come from St. Helens. <laughs> Smells like shed. Can I help you? A lanky woman with pointed features came to hang over them, her physique strikingly similar to the poles pitching up the tent. Her beady eyes followed Lily as she edged around the table of twinkling glass. Yes, actually. I'm looking for a source of red dahlia pollen, he said, snatching the woman's attention. I've heard it's perfect for maintaining good dragon health. Red dahlia pollen? the woman exclaimed. Why, I haven't seen any of that around for some time now. With hungry eyes and eager fingers, Lily Lily flicked through as many labels as she could, mesmerised by the miracles within the bottles. There were portions for improving eyesight, portions for her growth, portions for remembering, portions for sleep, for speed. As she moved along the table, she noticed the prices steepened and the bottles became more and more extravagant, twisted into intricate shapes with solid gem stoppers. Nearing the end of the stall, there were bottles hovering in their displays, just above mirrored discs. Be careful of those! The woman warned, checking Lily's whereabouts over her shoulder. If you remove the weight for longer than five seconds, an alarm will be triggered. Let me know if you want a thorough look and I'll get it for you. (laughs) I like this woman. Thank you.
Lily smiled hollowly. 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 Um, We're all Hallelujah. going on a jolly Hollowly. 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 Doing her best. Anyway, <laughs> I'll stop reading that again. Lily smiled hollowly, doing her best to appear as upstanding a lady as she could. I've heard of those security discs. Comprised of opposing magnetic fields, aren't they? Very impressive. How many tokens do they cost you? The woman blustered at his directness, unenthusiastic about discussing her finances with a stranger. Lily returned her attention to the bottles, happy for the privacy. It pulled on every shred of her willpower to act as though a treasure chest full of potions was commonplace, but to keep her eyes from widening too much, she felt as though the vials were luring her in with arms of their own. A bulbous green bottle dipped in gold up to its middle, hovering above a mirror, caught her eye. She leaned in to check the label. A decorative gold script read, Extra Days of Life. Her eyes rolled. That'll come in handy, the way things are going. She let go, knowing without looking at the price that it would be more expensive than anything she could afford. All she had to her name were the clothes on her back and the two toys in her pocket. Tucked slightly behind the bulbous bottle, almost shyly hidden, sat a slender vial of sapphire glass with a raw ruby lid jutting from the neck. The colours called to her, reminding her of the blue and red cars she cherished so dearly. She tilted her head to get a better view of the neatly written script. Her heart filled with euphoria. Saragophagus residue. In a reaction she could not control, her shaking hand reached for the vial. Her fingers seized the cold glass and she snatched it, replacing the empty spot with the blue toy car from her pocket. It floated above the mirror, as out of place in the display of magic as she herself felt. The risk will be worth the reward. She prayed, awaiting the sound of an alarm. Five... Four, three, two, one, nothing. Lily stuffed the vial into her pocket, realising that she didn't even care if she got caught. The punishment wouldn't be as bad as the death sentence she already had. But she did care about the toy. It was a piece of Benja and a piece of her mother. It tugged on her heart as though she were leaving a friend behind. She strode back to Theon, her cheeks hot with betrayal. She needed to get out of here, out of the market and into the Tromis household, quickly before the theft was brought to light. See anything you like? The woman's pointed smile was pleasant enough, but her stir put Lily on edge. No, sorry. She She's trying to not be scouse, isn't it? She blurted out, afraid of looking as guilty as she felt. Lovely bottles, though. <laughs> She doesn't get out much. (laughs) Theon explained, shaking his head slightly. The woman cackled and Lily welcomed it, the embarrassment providing a perfect cover story for her awkward stance and heat-filled cheeks. We should be going. Theon announced, tucking a brown paper bag into his pocket. Got what we came for. He gave a nod. Thank you for your insight on the Dahlia pollen. I will continue to keep a lookout. My pleasure. And do let me know if you manage to track down a source. Of 
course. He waved and they exited. Theodore and River slotted into place at either side. Once far enough from the stall, Lily's hand slipped inside her pocket to check the vial was still there. Touching the sturdy glass sent electric sparks through her body. She may have been trapped, but now at least she felt it wasn't forever. She had to believe that. Theon! Someone shouted, bolting everyone to the spot. No, no, no. He cursed, not handling the surprise well. Don't say anything. I'll get rid of her. He pivoted, brows scrunched in annoyance. Rhea? A beautiful ivory-skinned girl with rippling waves of red hair and sharply cut emerald eyes stood facing him. Her arms crossed tight at her chest. She waved before looking Lily up and down harshly, making her feel utterly inadequate. Who's this? This is Lily, my cousin, on my mum's side. That's right, River concurred. Cousin, you never mentioned you had family coming to stay. Why would I? He snapped, a little too abruptly. Theodore swooped in. She's come to stay with us for a while. Her father has fallen ill, travelling from Andorra. Oh, she's from the Andorian side, she said, giving a satisfied nod. That makes more sense. That's right, River said, relief tugging up her mouth at either end. Despite taking the bait, Rhea eyed Lily with distaste, reminding her of the looks Nicole Fate would give her back in school. It disheartened her to know that even here, light years away from home, she was still susceptible to that look, as though her spirit itself was a target board. I was going to come and see you later on, she added, addressing Theon. Cass has been mithering me to come round with him. I don't know if now's the best time, Theon said, agitatedly brushing down his shirt. She jolted, unaccustomed to rejection, it seemed. Stunned silence held her rose petal lips still. And why is that? she said eventually, striking a finger at Lily. Because of her, I'm guessing. No, Rhea, River interrupted. It's not because of Lily. We just have a lot going on at the minute. You have a lot going on? She scoffed, growing incensed. We all have a lot going on right now. Perhaps Theon would know that if you ever bothered to check in. Rhea spun, whipped her fiery mane in Theon's face and marched off into the crowd. He stared after her, fingers splayed at his sides. Sorry about that, dearie. She's, uh, she's, she's, really, she's usually quite nice. Or bearable, at least, Theodore said. Terrible at first impressions, though. Lily did her best to brush off the unpleasant introduction. I've got much bigger things to worry about, she reminded them. Yes. Theodore grumbled. Speaking of which, we had better be heading home. Rhea has drawn too many eyes our way. What's new? Theon scowled, turning towards the gates. Lily clasped the stolen treasure in her pocket and made her way out of the market. One step closer to home. Chapter 12. Oh. Oh, River moaned. What's going on here? (laughs) My geraniums are all wilted. They got a dog as well. Something about this weather we're having doesn't sit right with them. You wouldn't think we were at war, would you? Theodore grunted as they arrived back at the crooked wooden home. Spends more time pruning them bushes than she does anything else. Excuse if you, if you get me. If you catch me drift. Doesn't suck me off no more. <laughs> Sorry. Excuse you, Theo, but the fact we are at war 
is evident in the ramshackle exterior of the house. No one would ever think to steal from such a modest home, but that is no excuse to have a barren wasteland for a garden. We're not brutes. Sorry, love, he said, doubling back quickly. If it makes you happy, then prune, snip and compost away. Pruning and snipping are the same thing. Don't you pay attention to anything I say that doesn't involve food? Only around 20% of the time. He uncalculated, grinning at his father. Hey. <laughs> You're dead. Daddy-o. <laughs> Can't. If your garden wasn't so inviting, I might not have knocked, Early added. Oh, River sang. What a compliment indeed. Did you hear that, Theo? I did. He nodded. And, I'll do- and I doubt I'll hear the end of it now. It's a thankless job, keeping this place pretty, she tutted, disappearing inside the house. Theon turned to his father. When will you learn to stop winding her up? Winding your mother up is what keeps me young. He chuckled, <laughs> following River inside. And besides, she makes the best dinners when she's vexed. <laughs> <laughs> Bad moves, then. Let's do it, I didn't tell you, makes a good scram. When they reached the sitting room with the many chairs, everyone halted. Everyone that was, except Tilly, who thundered ahead with her tail swishing wildly. Alcor! River shrilled. What in Zephyr's name are you doing here? How did you get in? It wasn't too difficult. I think that's what it sounds like. He said, looking down his nose at Tilly from the comfort of a chair. Not for a man of my calibre anyway. No, not for a man of my calibre anyway. No. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. for a fucking man of my calibre. Not for a man of my calibre anyway. He rose to his feet, filling the room the way water fills a swimming pool. I've gone to the liberty of tightening your security with a protection spell. It's a good thing those Oriocs are imbeciles. Or one, or one might have found its way in. Or one might have found its way in. No one even knows she's here. Theodore answered back sharply. Yet. He countered. And I stress yet. It's only a matter of time, Thomas. Mark my words. River's face turned sour. We appreciate your gift of protection, Alcor. What do our neighbours think we're doing? <laughs> but must you frighten the girl this way? The girl ought to be afraid. He hissed, speaking as though she wasn't even present. Lily listened to his comments, feeling like her life was no longer her own, if not for the last semblance of stolen hope weighing heavy in her pocket. She would have broken down in tears at Alcor's feet. I don't know what Luna sees in her, but she is adamant that Lily is the saviour. You've spoken to Luna? Theon pride. Of course, that's why I'm here. Shifting noisily around the room, Alcor drew their attention to an ornately carved chest positioned beneath the windowsill. It was painted in a shimmering midnight blue, engraved with moons and stars and capped with golden corners. An unusual solid gold lock shaped like the sun bolted the lid shut and protruding from its centre were small ornaments, each matching the charms around Lily's wrist. As the charms alter, the lock will release each corresponding clasp. You will only be able to open up the chest once all the charms have been altered. He turned to sneer at Lily. And she is a war-ready killing machine. Lily shuddered looking down at her tiny frame with dubiousness, then to the shackle on her wrist, and lastly the chest. What's in it? Theon asked, thinking similarly. Luna loaded the chest herself. She's unwilling to reveal its innards before the time is right. 
Annoying. He replied, stepping up to the box to inspect further. His face reflected in the gold, comically globular. Globular. Glot is a good word, isn't it? Globular. You better get on with it, Lily. He said, only half joking. The suspense hurts already. Alcor grunted, forcing Lily's eyes to the floor. They both knew she was incapable of becoming anything great, even if she had all the time in the world. You know what? River started. All this talk of charms is beginning to hurt my head. I mean, what are we supposed to do now? How do we begin the process? Training, Alcor said with purpose. Physical training for strength, stamina and precision. Mental training for problem solving and to harden the mind. Enchantment training. She needs to know how to create and perform Sophia magic. All this knowledge will aid her crucially in the times to come. He exhaled hard. I can only assume that will help with some of the charms, but honestly, I don't know. We really don't have time for such riddles and games. But the peacekeeper has spoken, and I will follow her steps, even if they lead us to darkness. My wife tells me that our son has already started teaching Lily the ways of magic law. Good. It was a rare glimmer of support from alcohol which seemed foreign exit in his mouth. You may carry on with your teachings. I have gathered from our brief encounters that you're sharp enough. I myself will build a circuit for physical endurance and agility. I must locate somewhere for us to work, away from the reach of prying eyes. I know a place. They unchimed. Hidden in a cliff face. Large enough to house a circuit of substantial size. It's huge. I go there with Tilly. She can fit in there tenfold, full size. And a location? And the location? I can't. And the location? And the location? And the location? And the location? On the southwestern point of Capello, exactly where the compass marks it, along Pilpoles. Along Pilpoles Ridge. Alcor gave one sure nod. Sounds promising. I must go and gather a few things. Training will commence tomorrow. Make sure you feed her up well, River. She's going to need it. He held a glance at Lily on his way out. Be ready at 600 hours. The hostility in the air trailed after him like a cape. Lily sighed, relief flourishing in the distance between them. She struggled functioning around most people, kind people. So Alcor was another task entirely. Sometimes the threat of his temper stole the wind from her lungs. Well, if there's one thing I'm good at, River grinned. It's feeding people up. That'll be no extra burden on me. She manoeuvred around the room, fluffing up the sunken cushions. Oh, but I do worry about you, Lily. Alone, with that barbarian, it wouldn't hurt for him to be a bit more courteous. Don't you agree, Theo? She's the saviour after all. Surely she's due more respect than he pays her. I'll admit the man is a little crass. Crass? She cried. What an understatement that is. He's lived a different life to us common folk, River. Alcor has suffered brutality at its worst, and that changes the way one perceives the world. He's existed in an environment where respect is earned, and as unpleasant as that may be, it's probably the firm hand that Lily needs right now. She's readying herself for war, after all. Why has he gone cockney now? No. It's probably the firm It's probably the firm hand Lily needs right now. And she's ready she's ready and she is ready in herself for war after all. Lily squirmed in the background, 
feeling like an extra that had been forced into the spotlight. The pressure weighed like a barbell across her shoulders. I'm going to train with Lily tomorrow, Fian announced, stunning the room. Lily stared at him, jaw loose. What? Why? Why? Why not? I'd like to prepare too. It's logical. Are you sure, dear? I'm certain, he answered. Don't you go causing any injuries to yourself, Theon, his mother fussed. When you hurt yourself, you hurt me as well. Remember that. Don't you go hurting your poor old mother. Relax, love. The boy speaks sense. He'll come to no arm sparring in a cave. On your red be it, Theo, she said, marching towards the door. I'd better get preparing hearty meals for the both of you then. Have a minute, love. We've only just gotten back. No, no. There's too much to do. And cooking helps to settle my nerves. Try not to worry too much. Theodore comforted, rubbing his hands together. But a pie or two won't go amiss if you're doing a spot of baking. River left the room, mumbling her disapprovals. Shall we carry on studying? Blimey, you're just like your mother, his father said. The girl hasn't left her feet all day. Fionn looked between the two of them confusedly. She doesn't have to stand. She can sit and read. That's not what I meant. Lily? He asked. Would you like to read in the library? From a seated position, of course. She nodded, thinking there was nothing better to do. And then, remembering her stolen treasure, she said, I just need to nip to my room, then I'll then I'll ask the orb to find you. Very well. There's actually something I should attend to in my workshop. Then I'll meet you in the library straight afterwards. His eyes narrowed, almost slyly. Make sure you go directly to the library. Don't look for me in my workshop. Okay, she said, analysing his movements. Fidgeting, poor eye contact. Lily knew those behaviours well, because she was exhibiting them too. They were the traits of deceit, the calling cards of a liar. In her bedroom, Lily stuffed the stolen vial into her bedside table, reading over the torn enchantment to keep the spell fresh in her mind. She hid both things beneath her t-shirt from home that River had finally managed to wash. The faint stain of blood still trimmed the edge of the fabric where her father had left his mark. Lily never expected to look at the dirty smear and suffer a pang of longing, a longing for normality and a closeness to her family. She eased the drawer shut, making a silent promise to get back to them. Theon was sat on the floor of the library when she arrived, knees pulled up high to his chest, face stern. I found you a cushion, he said, to keep you comfortable. Thanks. She lowered down beside him. No cushion for you? He shook his head dismissively. What would you like to learn today? She deliberated, but instead, more tactfully, she nodded towards the pile of books left over from their last session. You can carry on from there. Lily hoped that somewhere inside those pages lay a clue that would lead her to the location of her second and third ingredient. If fate could be manipulated at all, then Lily planned on twisting and distorting her path until it wound straight back to her own front door. Blue paint flaking, hinges rusted. There was no time left for a peaceful conscience. The fall of Solaris was coming, and she had no desire to watch it, from the front lines or anywhere else. We'll start with medicinal plants. All right. They could save your life one day, so take notes. Lily gave a start, praying that the location of the blue orchid might 
might just slip off his tongue and into her cunning hands. I've been so deprived of luck, she thought. The tables are bound to turn soon. Nesca's pollen. He began, pointing to a sketch of a flowering vine. Perfect for fatigue when ingested, or clearing out the lungs when inhaled. Here. He passed Lily some empty sheets, held together with golden twine, and a pen fashioned from a long, thin, serrated shell, filled with ink. You're going to need to write this down. Nescus pollen, she repeated, finding the shape of the pen hard to master. That's right, and you mustn't touch the vines themselves. They'll give you a blistering rash, which leads me to my next plant. Ominon leaves. Ominon <laughs> <laughs> leaves. He opened up the relevant page in a flash. Perfect for wiping over plant rashes. They lessen the redness and dull the pain. If you pick them in the morning, they'll be dewier and therefore more potent. Okay, she said, struggling to keep up the pace. There are some flowers, extremely rare flowers, that can help to heal a cup with a stroke of their tissue. He sifted through the pages. Like this one, for example. Dasifrays. <laughs> Dasifrays. Dasifrays. Dasifray. Dasifray. Like this one, for example. The Dasifray. Lily sketched down a quick replica before the image was swept away again. Where would I find one of those? Usually beside a clean usually beside a clean body of water. They only glow they only grow in the purest environments. So you just brush your cuts with the petals and they disappear? Well, it's a little more complicated than that. Microscopic proteins in the flora tissue stimulate the rapid regrowth of your own cells. But in layman's terms, yes. They make shallow wounds disappear. Lily couldn't deny her intrigue. That's impressive. You think that's good? He teased, replacing one book for another. Wait till we get to the fungi. (laughs) Their spores can encourage the regrowth of bones. Usually nothing more drastic than a severed toe. But the greater the indent in the cap of the mushroom, usually the more potent its healing potential is. I don't mind learning more about the flowers, Lily insisted, still in pursuit of the blue orchid. Maybe we should stick to one topic at a time. Theon gave a firm nod and sealed the book in his lap. Yes, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll focus on fluoride today. And then, as if remembering something, his eyes widened. Your bracelet. May I have a look? Lily raised her arm, reluctant to claim ownership of the manacle. Theon held her hand in his, his sapphire eyes pointed at the flower charm. Wilted, tarnished. A miserable representation of her own mind. Do you know what flower it is? Looks to me like an amaranth. Usually its petals are red, speckled with white. I've never seen one in person before. They're almost impossible to find. Always growing alone in unpredictable terrain. Maybe isolation is the key then? Maybe isolation is the downfall. He pitched. What if your amaranth is withered from the burden of being alone? Lily sat back onto her heels, her hands slipping free. I've withered from the bed and the being here. You're supposed to be here. You don't know that. I trust Luna's judgement. Lily blocked the world out, pressing palms to face, her breath hot in her hands. This is madness. Her mind screamed. Nothing makes sense. I understand you're feeling overwhelmed, Lily. 
but we really should keep studying. You need to learn as much as possible before, before it's time to leave. Slowly, Lily lowered her hands, allowing reality back in. She sighed, eyes hooded as they scoured the never-ending supply of books. What do you think the other charms represent? His lips pursed in concentration. I think the dagger could show a willingness to fight, and the bow and arrow could be to do with gaining new skills. Lily skimmed over the dagger theory, knowing full well that she was incapable of such a thing. New skills? She replied. Could it really be as simple as learning archery? Theon huffed, clearly annoyed by the mystery. The only way to get to the bottom of these things is trial and error. Then we can eliminate what it isn't, whilst hopefully stumbling across what it is. I'll teach you archery myself, in the hollow. You can do that? Lily tried to mask the surprise, pulling at her features. Despite his height and broad shoulders, she had assumed Theon was more bookish than athletic. But now as her eyes traced the thick of his neck and forearms, she found evidence of much more. My father taught me when I was five years old. His bow was twice my size, so he carved me my own. We practised every week, shooting fruit from the highest boughs of the tallest trees. Oh, she said, unsure of how to reply. I don't think I'll be much good at it, but learning how to use a weapon might come in handy. I think we could get you to an acceptable standard. You don't seem overly clumsy. You have good vision, and... He added, with a hint of a smile. I'm a very good teacher. A teacher who's getting distracted, she reminded him, tapping at her notes. His jaw clenched, quashing his grin. You're right. One thing at a time. He pulled open another book. Two hours later, and still no mention of the Blue Orchid... Lily tried to pay attention as they progressed onto the healing potential of fungi, but her mind drifted to other things, to her mom and brother, to home and school, and a world with far smaller problems. Until at last, the light outside faded, and she had an excuse to retire to her room, utterly deflated, two-thirds clueless. There was eight and a half hours left before Alcor's arrival. Just enough time to inhale a dose of slumber sniff and make it through the night. Lily opened the drawer of the bedside table and couldn't help lifting up the vial, feeling the weight of its realness in her hands. It glittered like a condensed ray of sunshine, reflecting in her hope-filled eyes. She read the spell again. Blue orchid pollen and nebula dust. That was it. All she needed and strived for. And then she sent herself to sleep. Lily woke with a hammering headache and crusted tear ducts, making it difficult to see past the thick of her lashes. She rinsed her face, swallowing handfuls of water to dampen her throat, which felt hoarse, as though she had screamed or sobbed through the night. Both were equally as likely. Her dreams had been sour and dark, a tapestry of loss and helplessness, but in the daylight, things seemed a little better. Her reflection may have been haggard, but it was not a stranger's. In her own face, she could see Benji's big brown doe eyes, pleading with her not to give up. Her lips were shaped like her mother's, only cracked and bitten, and when she smiled at herself in the mirror, she saw her mother there, encouraging her to push through the strife. Lily dressed herself in clothes from the top of the pile, her vision tunnelled, pointing towards the future. 
to a place where she had her mother in her arms and her brother clinging to her legs. Every move she made now would be a step in their direction because that was the only way she could carry on playing this insufferable game without going insane. River eyed Lily distastefully at the door. Dearie, those clothes simply won't do. I made these for you late last night when I was wide awake with worry. She held up a pair of tightly fitted trousers and a top. I thought to myself, what attire would be best for training in? And then I came up with this. I made something similar years ago when I was designing costumes for the theatre. The Potion Hunter, I think it was called. Lots of action scenes. She gave the fabric a tug to emphasise the stretch. It's very flexible and sturdy. And I've put extra support panels in for your lady parts. Lily gawked at the outfit wordlessly. She had never worn anything so revealing before. Not that her petite structure had much to reveal in the way of womanly features, but she thought the tightness might make her look like a starved and feral cat. Hmm, River said, considering Lily's reaction. I had a feeling you'd say as much, which is why I've made this as well. She pulled a stream of cream fabric from her apron pocket. A blouse, equipped with a little belt too, so you can cinch it in at the waist. We wouldn't want you getting snagged on whatever spiky death trap Alcos can try for you both. Thanks, she said, frowning at the thought as she rushed to change. When she made it to the kitchen, Theon was waiting with a drink in each hand, dressed in an almost identical outfit. They eyed one another, unable to conceal their amusement. Good taste, he joked, handing over one of the glasses. What is it? Your breakfast. And drink, uh, and I'd drink it fast if I was you. And I'd drink it fast if I were you. Humongous fists rattled the front door and nerves ignited like wildfire in Lily's stomach. She downed the liquid and followed sheepishly behind Theon. Alcor was clad in thick black leather, fixed with pointed silver caps at the shoulders, leaving the bulk of his arms exposed in a display of rippled muscles, severing abruptly at the reach of his gloves. I have already set up the course, he said by way of greeting. Tilly has been uh, Tilly has been of some assistance, despite her previous insubordinations. The location was good, perfect. Alcorn nodded sharply. Couldn't have hoped for couldn't have hoped for more seclusion. Theon gave a tight smile. That's what I thought. We must leave right away. He pressed on. Time is precious. Go easy on them, Alcor. River bellowed down the hall. I want my boy back in one piece. Alcor's eyes rolled. Don't be so ridiculous, Trobis. He yelled, slamming the door shut behind them. Chapter 13 After a long and turbulent walk scattered with various warm-up exercises, from lunges to sprints, high knees to sprawls, Lily and Theon... Say high knees again. High knees to sprawls. Lily and Theon arrived quite breathlessly at the edge of a cliff overlooking a swell of turquoise water. Wow, she breathed, remembering a similar view from the cover of a National Geographic magazine in the school library. She stood mesmerised for a second, thinking that it almost made the exhaustion worthwhile. Almost. Thank God we've stopped, I need a break. Theon shook his head stiffly, snarling from the exhaustion. We've not stopped. We just need Tilly for the next part, he said. Thumbing over his shoulder, Alcor was scaling the length of Tilly's spine like a ladder. Hurry up! He bellowed, 
perching himself between two humongous shoulder blades. We haven't got all day. <laughs> her leathery wings shivered and spanned out to match her great length. Lily blanched at the sight. What was supposed to be a shriek of protest came out as a whimper. Are you joking? Is this some kind of joke? Theon studied her with confusion. It's fine. It's just Tilly. Just Tilly, she mocked, throwing her arms into the air. Oh yeah, that makes me feel loads better. He stepped closer to her, lowering his voice so that Alcor couldn't overhear. She's nothing to be afraid of. I promise. Do you think we would risk putting the saviour's life in jeopardy? It's not right. It's not normal. She won't hurt you. If anything, she'll go out of her way to protect you. What's it? What's he howled up? Alcor yelled, looking more threatening than ever about such a mighty beast. Theon grabbed her hand, the blue of his eyes tranquil, diffusing. Riding dragons is commonplace here. Nothing to be worried about. But she's so clumsy, though. Only in her condensed state. At home, her senses are compressed, so it makes her slightly less in tune with the surroundings. But out here, in a natural environment, she has pinpoint accuracy. Trust me. Slowly, she allowed him to lead her to the base of Tilly's tail, and then, holding her breath, she clambered over the gleaming purple mountain, declaring herself and all of Zephyra crazy as she went. The scales were slick and challenging, but the tough ridge of Tilly's backbone gave purchase like a climbing frame. Her giant heart and pumping lungs hummed underfoot, a constant reminder that she was scrambling up the spine of a creature who could bolt at any second. Lily slotted herself behind Alcor with Theon close to her back, the presence a wedge of security at such woozy heights. Hold fast! Alcor boomed, kicking his heels. Yeah! <laughs> Tilly fired into motion, jerking the three of them backwards. Her thunderous steps whipped the ground, forcing Lily to cling to the thick of Alcor's waist and scream into the blades of his shoulders. Tilly, catap- Tilly catapulted from the edge of the cliff. Wings outstretched, before swan diving towards the sea. Weightlessness swashed the contents of Lily's stomach. She snapped her eyes shut so tightly that not even a tear could escape. And then the pace lessened. The wind whistled more calmly through her ears and she dared to open her eyes again. Tilly looped around, swooping into a large rocky hollow in the cliff face. Her claws scraped the ground, stopping their journey neatly in the centre of the cave. Lily unhooked herself from Alcor's middle, slinking ungracefully past Theon down to the sturdy floor. Theon and Alcor swiftly followed, allowing Tilly to shrink down to her compact size. Knowing the cabin well, she sauntered over to an old rag by the entrance. Lily could feel Theon's eyes on her, watching the colour creep back into her cheeks. Well done. He mouthed before Alcor commanded their attention. Is this Alcor yeah. now? I have a- I've already spread the number of obstacles around the cave. They mark your arena. He shrugged the first of many metallic cylinders dotted around the hollow. With an activating tap, it elongated into the air, unfolding like a telescope, grinding as it grew. He activated the rest and the arena thumbed the arena thumbed thrummed. The arena thrummed with danger, quickening Lily's heart. What are they? Theon demanded, covering his ears. Veins of metal trickled from the columns, anchoring themselves into the stone. Branches lashed from the cylindrical cores and the cave flooded with a horrid high-pitched ringing, 
like swords being unsheathed and slicing through the air. They moved at terrifying speeds, sometimes spinning 360 degrees around the centre before disappearing inward again. The sequence was impossible to predict. Run the perimeter, Alcor ordered, his voice barely audible. And don't get hit. He stood in the centre of the chaos, arms crossed sternly at his chest. This isn't a joke, she realised. I have to run. Theon wavered at the first hurdle. Do we have to begin so dramatically? To be a warrior, you must train like a warrior. Alcor barked, the groove deepening between his brows. This is the easiest circuit I have to offer. Complain once more, and I'll cover the ground with broken glass. Now run! His words were like a taser, zapping Lily forward onto the track. Before she could recoil, a branch from the nearest column thrashed out, clipping her left ear. She flinched to the right, wanting to address the throbbing pain that had exploded over the side of her head, but there was no time. Another branch whipped out, this time lower down. It pummeled her on... It pummeled around the centre beam, but she managed to jump seconds before it swept her to the floor. In a panicked frenzy, she hurled herself onward, away from the first obstacle and towards the second. Keep pushing! Alcor yelled, thirsty for danger. Lily tackled the next barrier with quick footing and head movement. Theon landed at her side, sweating, his chin smeared with blood from a gash on his lip. Are you okay? She gasped before a metallic arm thrashed out, catching them both off guard. It crashed against Theon's waist, creasing him over the branch and catapulting him into the centre of the arena by Alco's feet. Lily ducked, avoiding the brunt of the blow, and pivoted to check on Theon, who was heaving himself from the ground. One quick beat and a branch collided with her shoulder, knocking her flat against the stone. There was no time to worry over Theon. She was scarcely standing herself. In a strategic stoop and roll, Lily evaded her next beating and found herself in a safe space between obstacles. Good. Alcott praised. But you've far to go yet. You can rest when you've completed one run of the circuit. Push! She was sweat-drenched, her blouse and hair clinging to her skin. The sight of the next obstacle and all the others lying in waiting made her knees feel like knots that were about to unravel. Twelve left each one a predator hungry for blood. And you? She heard Alcor snap from behind. Back in the line at number three. There'll be no skipping hurdles on my watch. Yes, sir. Theon fought, limping to his post. Yes, sir. Lily glanced over her shoulder, giving him a tight nod of encouragement, then moved on. Lily reached the clearing beyond the last cylinder. She was crawling, one leg dragged uselessly behind her, her ribs aching feeling as though she had sculpted through trenches of barbed wire for no reward. The pain was excruciating. Not bad for your first attempt, Alcor said as Theon crumpled to the floor beside her. It's taken close to an hour to complete a single run of the circuit. With no injuries sustained, I regard that as a marginal triumph. Ideally, I'd like to half that time. No injuries, Lily cried, causing her lungs to pinch in pain. Your wounds are merely superficial. They will be healed within a week. Let's not forget about internal bleeding. Theon groaned, ending his words with a wince. Alcor's face twitched, pride and accomplishment turning to anger. If you cannot handle this, then you are asking for defeat. It's my task to have you ready for war, and one small session has left you both whimpering on the ground. Solaris has been in battle for almost three decades. 
Think of him and his efforts before you open your miserable mouths to complain. Now, ready yourselves for a round of mental training. Lily looked up at him with desperation in her eyes. Oh, God, I can't. Did I ask to hear any of your excuses, saviour? He spat. She flinched, exhaustion gnawing at her composure. I didn't ask to be called that. If you don't want to call me your saviour, then please don't. Enough of your lip, girl. She has a name. Theon spoke, staggering to his feet. Without Lily, we have no future. He stood over her, offering a blood-stained hand and yanked her to her feet. You shouldn't speak to her like that. Alco snorted, swatting the idea away. I think you've been spending too much time at home with your mother, boy. There's no kindness in war, only cruelty. He thrust all his attention onto Lily, making her squirm beneath the weight of his stir. You cannot possibly imagine the terrors awaiting you in Andorra. There are threats that gather over you even now, like storm clouds, and you are not ready or willing to face the wrath of their thunder. It's my task to ensure that you are prepared, and I will not rest until my mission is fulfilled. Alcor looked her up and down like a scrap of tainted meat, then dropped his eyes to the floor, sighing. Fleetingly, he appeared old, tired instead of formidable. I only wish to strike fear in your heart, Lily, so you can master it. Overcome it. Then, when you face the Oriacs, you will know exactly how to handle them, because of the battles won in this very hollow. I am full of fight, and so should you be, both of you. If we allow the Oriacs to conquer Sephira, not only will I lose everything I have ever known and loved, but you will not live to see the light of another day. If you are so adamant to give up now, when life is as easy as it will ever be again, then just run from this cavern into the sea. End it now. Do not stand there and flaunt hope in my face if you have nothing more to give. In the silence that followed, bitterness consumed Lily Hall. Her hands shook at her sides. Her voice strained. I have already lost everything, Halko. The low point that you fear so much. I am already there. And you still talk to me as though I do not know what suffering is. Unwilling to give him the satisfaction of her tears, she marched to the entrance of the cave, toes curling over the lip. Stones tumble into the sea below her tears chasing after them in a determined race to the water. They landed without a noise, a tiny, insignificant drop, drowned out by the vastness of the ocean. This was all a big mistake, she whispered. Lily had always wished to live elsewhere, among the stars, but not like this, not without her family. To be eaten by life or swallowed by death, that is my ultimatum. Lily? Theon's voice was close behind. Tilly began, Tilly began howling from the ledge to her right. You should step back. You're frightening Tilly. And me. Why is everything so goddamn difficult? I don't know. He answered truthfully. It's difficult and unfair. But if you give up, that's the end of it. Life as you know it, gone. Is that such a bad thing? not really enjoying my life right now anyway. She could see him from the corner of her eye, stirring at her, coaxing her to turn around. You won't give up. Giving up means never seeing your family again. I know that's all you want. I, I've heard you at, at night. 
Lily edged around, startled. You've heard what? Their names. You call out their names in your sleep. And you cry. And scream sometimes. Oh. But, but that's okay. It's good to have something. Someone pushing you on. Your family are your muse. Theon paused, then whistled, beckoning Tilly over. He lifted her into his arms. What are you doing? She demanded as he thrust Tilly's face into her own face. She gave a sticky, wet lick on the side of Lily's mouth. Dragon saliva releases endorphins. He explained simply. You look like you could do with some. Alcohol cleared his throat. <coughs> Behind them, he had attached two leather straps to the arms of one of the cylinders. It stood like a crucifix, ready to torment its next victim. In his hand was a green glass bottle. He popped a black gem from the neck and smoke danced free. Are you ready for the next part of your training? A chapter 14. The Tromis household rolled out ahead like a mirage in the Gobi Desert. The arched trellises of roses, a gateway to paradise. I feel disgusting. Theon whispered, not wanting Alcor to overhear his complaints. Lily had no way of describing what she was feeling. Weakened, tortured, traumatised. None of those words seemed sufficient. Her body was broken. Her mind was charred and smouldering from the black water Alcor had forced her to drink. She reached out for the doorknob, forgetting that her wrists had sprained, trying to rip free of the crucifix. Before Theon could help, the door yanked open. Rhea! He shrieked. What are you doing here? Her sharp green glare looked over Lily with mild revulsion before moving to Theon and lastly Alcor. Lily assumed any same person would shrink with fright after eyeing up such a mountain of a man, but Rhea, it seemed, was not of the same variety. She stood up taller, as though to gain authority, quirking an eyebrow in demand of an explanation. What do we have here then? I asked first. Theon bit. Yes, but I'm not the one looking so suspicious, she jabbed. Who's the giant? Lily felt the web of lies pull tight around her throat, making it impossible to reply. Luckily, Alcor was ready with an answer. You're already acquainted with Miss Lily, I presume? Yes, she said, looking between the both of them, trying to figure out what two complete opposites might want from one another's company. She watched Tilly slink between Rhea's legs, disappearing inside, envious that she couldn't do the same. Lily's father is a dear friend of mine, and has summoned me as a guardian to his little girl. She's staying here with the Trommases. Theodore Trommas is also a close friend of mine, as he must be with you. Why else would you be plugging up the entryway to his home? Rhea twitched, unable to swallow the story with ease. Why are you all so sweaty? What in the world is wrong with you? Theon. Theon barked, exhaustion leaving him agitated. Move aside. I'd like to walk into my own home without completing a questionnaire. Rhea stood firm, lifting her arms like a barricade, grinning smugly. Password. What an insufferable girl you are. Alcor growled, and for the first time, Lily was grateful for his lack of manners. Hello, chums. (laughs) A second face appeared at the door forcing Rhea to move as he squeezed himself into view. She made a noise of disgust. Watch where you're walking, Cass, how many times? Sorry? He said, looking comically awkward. What are you doing stood in the doorway anyway? (laughs) My point exactly. Leon snapped. The boy grinned giddily at the trio. 
looking half crazed with a mass of tangled black hair and a streak of dirt lining the left side of his face. Why are you all so sweaty and, and black eyed? <laughs> In a display of boredom, Alcor let a yawn slip. Combat training, he announced half heartedly. In light of the inevitable war, Lily's father has asked that I prepare her as best as I can. Theon joined us by choice. Lily watched the shudder pass through Theon's body, realising with a sting that he could have stayed at home today. He could have bypassed the Blackwater. Fool, she thought. Same time tomorrow, Miss Lily, he asked, as though it wasn't mandatory, as though he wouldn't rip her from her bedsheets if she failed to show up on time. Same time, she agreed. Satisfied, Alcor turned and walked away. Castor gawked after him. He's big, isn't he? <laughs> He's big, isn't he? Before anyone... Aliens! He's big! Isn't he? Before anyone could answer, he yanked his hand free from his pocket for Lily to shake. I'm Castor, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Lily placed her hand in his. I'm Lily, she said. But please don't shake my wrists in a bad way. Oh. He said, clamping instead. His hands were as damp as her own. Well, it's nice to meet you. Shall we go inside? <laughs> Please, Please, said Lily and Theon in unison. They poured into the dining room from the corridor. Oh, good, you're back, River sang. I've just brewed a fresh batch of tea. What wonderful timing. You've been making a fresh batch every half an hour, love. It's impossible to come at the wrong time. We've had company, dear. A good hostess never leaves the teacups dry. I know, we've had company, love. He said, trying to keep his tone pleasant. Castor's been telling me about his favourite type of kindling for the best part of an hour. Theon stood with his shoulders drooped, eyes dark with exhaustion. Why are you even here? I told you now wasn't a good time. Theon! His mother scolded. Have you left your manners at the door? I'll lock you outside until you find him again. Sorry. He grumbled, rubbing his eyes. I just... I told her not to come. How lucky am I to have you as a friend? I can really commit. I love it. Um, Oh, how lucky am I to have you as a friend? Rhea jabbed, watching him closely. It was actually Castor's idea for me to come. I've been doing me rounds, he said, waving some rolled up papers in the air. That reminds me, he's yours. He retrieved a dog-eared copy of the Capello Gazette from his satchel by the table and handed it to River. Deary me, Cass, what a state. Castor looked sheepishly, sheepishly at his shoes. Sheepishly at his shoes. Sheepishly at his shoes and seashell. <laughs> Castor looked sheepishly at his shoes, which, like his face, were caked in mud. I had a little crash on the way over. <laughs> Fell out my cart and landed on my papers. It was spectacular, Rhea concluded. And it's almost out of date, too. River lay the paper flat, flicking to the third page. Oh, dear. I've already missed the bi-weekly herb market. Your produce will be wilted by the time it comes round again. What are we going to do now, Theo? Find ourselves a new paper boy, he grunted, turning towards his son. Can't you make him his own clock? Get him to places on time. I could do... Uh, I could... I'm a little preoccupied, the peasant. <laughs> I could, but I'm a little preoccupied. Oh, my God. 
Because I'm a little preoccupied at present. Oh, Rhea smirked. With what exactly? With none of your business. He cracked. She recoiled, hurt, despite her greatest efforts not to be. Listen to this, Theo, River continued, her fingers tracing over an advert in the paper. Due to rationings being imposed on Capello, we regretfully inform you that on the evening of Wednesday 17th, following our final performance of The Cloud Dancer, Grand Harmonium Theatre will shut its doors indefinitely. An enormous thank you goes out to all those who have helped to develop and maintain this place of wonder, magic and togetherness over the years. And of course, to the fans who, without your love, support and generosity, we would never have made it this far. Please join us by 7pm for our grand finale and give our theatre the farewell it deserves. River stared blankly at the page, her bottom lip trembling. Oh no, you love the theatre as well, don't you, River? (laughs) (laughs) Spitting everywhere. (laughs) Castor added, pressing salt in the wound. Theodore narrowed his eyes at Castor, sidestepping around the table to reach his wife. Now, now, love. Try not to get too upset. It's the last one, Theo. And it's tonight. Then we'll go. But how can we? She gestured around the room, then sighed into her hands. The children. The money. River, my love. It's the grand finale. Of course we can muster up a few extra tokens for that. You spent your youth in that place. It's only right that you should say goodbye properly. Theon and Lily can stay here. They'll have Tilly with them. They'll be just fine. She sat silently, contemplating. Are you sure? She asked, eyes shimmering with restrained tears. He gave a meaningful nod. Positive. Now, go get your coat. We'll have to leave soon if we're going on foot. Oh! She cried, wafting the water from her eyes as she ran from the room. Thanks, Afira, I married such a brilliant man. You're adorable, Theo. Shame about your son, though. Why can't you be more like your father, eh? Theon's jaw clenched, his nostrils flaring. What is your problem, Rhea? Are you jealous that I'm spending time with someone other than you? What is it? What? She shrieked. Don't be so absurd. Lily's breath whistled past her teeth as she sank into a seat at the table, willing the floorboards to swallow her up. That does make sense, actually. Castor nodded, oblivious to the temper throbbing across Rhea's face. You've been talking about her an awful lot. Because, she seethed, teeth gritted. Something is obviously going on here. I mean, why else would Theon feel the need to lie to my face? I'm not lying. He burst. We've known each other since we were four years old, Theon. I can tell when you're lying. Your nose twitches and your hands do that thing. Don't you think I've got enough of that at home? I don't need it from you as well. What exactly do you think I'm lying about, Rhea? I don't know, but I will find out. I always do. Okay, well, good luck with that, because there's nothing to find. His hands rose to his chest, ready to push down his shirt, but he stopped himself, pushing them together in prayer. See? You were just about to do it then. Well, maybe sometimes people have to lie, Rhea. Maybe sometimes people have problems that are bigger than you, and bigger than yours. Maybe there are things going on in Zephyr that don't involve or concern you. You are aware that our planet spins around the sun and not around your self-absorbed head. 
Maria blinked back at him, speechless. Her face contorted into that of a little lost girl, without family or friends to help her. For a fleeting second, Lily couldn't help but feel sorry for Rhea, seeing a part of herself in that startled stir. But then the fire returned, and all remnants of herself burnt away in the heat. How dare you speak to me like that? She shouted. Theodore gave a worried grumble. The boy doesn't know what he's saying, Rhea. Ignore him. And Theon, you ignore her too. You're both talking nonsense. Now settle down. This is too much noise for an old man to endure. Wait till you're my age. I'll come back from the dead and cause a ruckus in your homes. River returned then with a coat folded over each arm, just as Rhea stormed from the room, leaving a trail of ice-cold hostility behind. Oh, goodness me, River cried. I've been gone barely a minute. What happened? Nothing for you to worry about, my love, he said, holding open her coat as holding up in her coat so that she could slip into it easily. Let's just be on our way. The theatre awaits. I better get after here, I suppose. Castor moaned, <laughs> slinging his satchel over his shoulder. She just gets worse if you leave her stewing. <laughs> Sling my satchel over my shoulder and then go get off and say Rhea. She gets worse if you leave her stewing. Rather you than me. Theon said, waving goodbye. And you too. He called after his parents. Have a lovely time. And don't come home too late. There was a laugh from his father, followed by the sound of the front door closing. <laughs> Lily rested on the shaggy fireside rug in one of the Tom- in one of the Thomas's living rooms. A brief history of magical ancestry unfolded in her lap. Beneath the hearth, Tilly curled up tightly like an ammonite like an ammonite fossil in her basket, releasing gentle snores and burbles whenever the fire crackled too loudly. She glanced at Theon, sat beside her on the floor. His hair was swept back, dark and damp from the bath. You all right? she asked. He hadn't spoken much since the others left. Yes. He said bluntly. She watched the flames reflecting in his eyes, elegant yet wild, and wondered if they reminded him of Rhea, of her fiery red locks and hot temper. He turned, caught her looking, and she blushed. Quickly, her attention fell to the books in her lap. It's good that you're using this time to educate yourself. He praised. Most people would have called it a day, especially after the Blackwater. Lily shuddered. It was horrible. Having my worst nightmares paraded in front of me like that. I have enough of that at night. She looked at her wrists. Bruised and waxy with healing salve from River's Reserves. At least the dreams don't leave me injured. It's supposed to harden the mind, exposing you to pain and loss. But when I've already endured it all, there's there's not much more to gain, I don't think. We'll speak to Alcor tomorrow, try and dissuade him from using it again. Yeah, good luck with that. Her eyes rolled. If not, then I'll distract them, and you can pour it into the sea. Those poor fish won't know what's hit them. They look confused. It's only lethal when it's consumed in large quantities in its condensed state. The sea would immediately dilute the poison. It was a joke. Oh. (laughs) He laughed. The first glimpse of humour she'd seen all evening. Good one. She returned to her book, feeling as though he was feeling as though she was delving into the depths of a fairy tale and not an account of history. Pools that reflected the past, trees that whispered secrets, rocks that granted wishes. I just want you to know. Theon picked at the carpet, 
seemingly in search of the right words. We're all so grateful for what you're doing for us. More grateful than you'll ever know, or understand. She wriggled uncomfortably, unwilling to meet his gaze. Lily had never in her life been thought of highly, not outside the tiny two-point circle of her mother and brother. She had always been the freak, tiny and bug-eyed, pasty and strangely quiet. And to have all this newfound respect based on falsehood cut her deeply. This was not how she ever intended to live her life, but cowardice kept her from confessing. If she wanted to see her family again, then she had no option but to abandon them all. Theon, the Tramises, Zephira. I'm just doing what I have to, she managed. A lie amongst truths. A growl sounded from beside the fire. Tilly stood rigid, her front paws out of the basket, talons grinding into the floorboards. Tilly? A snarl rumbled in her throat, long and threatening. The scales of her backbone spiked as she trembled, eyes fixed on the blackness beyond the window. What's she doing? Theon lunged to his feet. Something's wrong. I think there's someone here. Tilly began to swell, her wings flapping wildly as she bulleted towards the window. Theon flung open the glass, seconds before it would have shattered. He gaped after her, chest heaving as she disappeared into the night. They were alone. Alone without weapons. Alone without the protection of a dragon. Something was wrong. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Chapter 15. My favourite chapter. We are switching... Um, from sort of Lily's point of view now to Rivers. The lighting was soft and radiant, the acoustics clear as fireweaver glass, the costumes gloriously intricate, the choreographer faultless. No one had fumbled their lines, not once, and the addition of genuine bereavement for the closing of the theatre meant that each performer gave heart and soul to the stage. The scenes of sorrow were awash in authenticity, forcing tears to the eyes of all who watched. Remarkable, River whispered, dabbing her cheeks dry. She peered up at Theo, catching his bottom lip trembling subtly. My gentle giant, she smiled, content, not caring in the slightest that, as always, they had been appointed to the very back row of the audience due to her husband's preposterously large size. She could have sat by herself closer to the front, but the seats along the back wall had become a place of tradition for them, filled with romantic memories of their first date, and second and third. It was where they sat for River's birthday each year, and most importantly, it was where River had first laid eyes on her gentle giant decades ago when she was creating costumes and jewellery for the performers. How could she not fall in love with him? He was what she described as handsome multiplied to gargantuan proportions. Gazing up at him now, her heart fluttered just the same. Though his skin had loosened and the many winters had left him grumpier than before, he would always be hers, and she would always be his. Fate had sent him in search of a lavender pearl inlay for a carriage clock, and River had been the source. It was luck, love and perfection, all in one fell swoop. 
I'm going to miss this place, he whispered, still loud enough to turn heads from the row in front. River smothered a giggle with her handkerchief and leaned into her husband. Me too, dear. The cloud dancer leapt centre stage, exuding sparks of lightning and puffs of charcoal smoke as she pirouetted into a blur of elegance. The crowd applauded the dancer's freedom. At last she was safe from harm, from oppression. At last she could spiral up into the sky and live in peace with her own kind. And then she stopped, blunt, toes hovering above the platform. The audience gasped. Deep, haunting music crept from the orchestra. The dancer clutched at the arrow protruding from her chest, eyes rolling at the sight of blood. She opened her mouth to scream, a clamour of cymbals sounding as she dropped from mid-air, but her screams were drowned out by another. Louder. Gut-wrenching. River looked to her husband, his face a replica of her own confusion. On stage, the actor shot upright, broken from character, and all around the theatre heads began turning. This wasn't part of the act, she breathed cautiously. Worried voices brought the silence. What was that? Where did they come from? Someone must be hurt. Theodore eased upright, his fingertips searching for his wife's hand. Sounded like it came from outside, he said, turning his head tentatively towards the doors. They were sat closest to the exit, and River had heard the noise clearly. It was the epitome of terror, and it quickened her pulse to an unhealthy pace. The doors to the theatre burst inward, glass shattering over the crowd like confetti. A man lay twitching in the aisle. The skin pulled clean from his back. He burbled, blood sputtering across the indigo carpet, then his eyes rolled back white, gone. Someone had thrown him through the doors, and then a roar came. Throaty, animalistic. The roars erupted into chaos, men and women scrambling over one another in desperate pursuit of safety. Get behind me, Theodore ordered, blocking the corpse from River's line of sight. Theo! She whimpered, skirt stiff. Her vision turned milky, stars dancing around the outskirts. It's okay, just stay right behind me. We'll be all right. Trauma's promise. Trauma's promise, she said, tugging together all the composure she could muster. Be resourceful, she told herself. Find your strength. Won't let go of your hand. We're going to run for the exit, okay? Silence. Okay? He pressed. Okay, she managed. The mass is emptied towards the entrance, crushing the corpse into the carpet. Theodore followed the current, holding River's hand in a vice-like grip. Outside, fog lingered in the market square, turning all who ran into eerie silhouettes. Screams of terror and yelps of pain exploded from the mist, bringing Theodore to a a standstill. An island amidst a sea of panic. Another body launched through the air, screams ricocheted from every angle. The Oryx have come at last. Blood ran thick between the cobblestones at River's feet. What are we going to do, Theo? Her voice was a stranger to her own ears. A child lost, fear dripping from every syllable. We've got to get to the gates. Then we run. Don't stop running. Okay, 
She trembled, forcing the fact that her husband was the most noticeable man in the crowd to the back of her mind. Please, please keep him safe. They charged forwards and the people dispersed. Thinned by death or escape, she didn't know which, but she pleaded for the latter. Hanging lanterns along the gated wall cast the scene ahead in a morbid glow. Bodies scattered the ground, some still, some jerking, some clawing their way out of the wreckage. Three jagged figures towered high above the rest, the light from behind casting them in a sinister shadow, but what they could make out was enough. They lunged for victims, shredding parts from their bodies with talons and teeth, launching the remains into the square. Dismembered fingers, ears, chunks of flesh coated the floor below them. The third oryx stood still, calculating, eyes piercing through the dimness in search of who to kill next. Beasts! Theodore hissed. hissed. The gates are blocked. I know. Can't just stand here. I'm trying to think. An explosion came from behind. The pair jumped. Theodore wrapped his arms around his wife. Dust and rubble spread, obstructing their vision. They're everywhere, she cried. We don't know that. River! A voice rasped from the ground and something grabbed at her ankle. She leapt, shrieking. Then her hand flew to her mouth when she saw her old friend's face peering up at her through the haze. Hesper, she gasped, kneeling down into the blood-soaked streets. Oh, Hesper, she cried, eyes tracing the spill of entrails across his abdomen. She stroked his face, finding time to comfort him, even amid the uproar. The old man's eyes fluttered. The saviour has come, he whispered, using his last ounce of strength to lock eyes with her. Her heart stopped. They're looking for... His last breath came, and his eyes glazed over, no longer looking at her, but through her. River! Theodore bellowed, yanking her up off the ground. There's no time! They turned, a mouth of serrated blades grinning back at them, blood pooling on its tongue. No! River screeched, her voice raw, grating her throat as Theodore was ripped from her arms. Theo! The beast tore claws across his chest sending shockwaves of heartache through her body. Theodore groaned in pain, attempting to swipe back, knuckles against knives. The creature's eyes widened, spurred on by the challenge of a larger opponent. Then it lunged for him. They crashed to the ground, Theodore beneath the beast, battling helplessly. The creature roared, its breath hot and vulgar, tearing away chunks of his flesh, his shoulder, his thigh. River screamed, charging at the creature with clumps of rocks in her hand. A shadow fell over them, darker than the night, and in the blink of an eye, the oryx was gone. Snatched from the ground and wrenched up into the sky. Tilly, she breathed, the rocks slipping through her fingers as she collapsed onto her knees. Theodore rolled onto his side, gasping for breath. She cradled him, tears turning red as they fell against his skin. You're okay, she said, trying to sound convincing. Can you stand? His face was a picture of pain, contorted, bloody. I won't have to. He groaned, trying to shift his giant legs beneath him. I can't feel my left one. 
river search the surroundings, crying at the sight of the butchered remains. There was a metal pole jutting from the wreckage of a destroyed stall, snapped in half, but still sturdy. She kissed her husband's head. I'll be barely a second. Try to stand if you can. And she rushed to claim it. Theodore propped himself against the pole, biting hard on his lip. You can lean on me too. I'll cope, he said, teeth gritted. The pair looked up at the sky, watching in horror as Tilly and the beast entwined above them, fur and scales, wings and claws. The noise was soul-shaking, yelps and roars spliced together. The Oriax twisted free of her talons and clung to her chest. She coiled her neck to strike, her rigid arms useless against the agile limbs of the beast. The Oriax hit with a force that sent shards of teeth to the ground, then hooked its leg onto Tilly's shoulder, hoisting itself onto her back. Tilly looped, trying to loosen the creature, but its claws buried deep, making her whine. Teeth sunk into the soft scales of her neck and ripped across. She shrieked like thunder, and the noise flowed through the traumases like lightning. Blood rained down upon them as the battle came to a blunt standstill in the sky. And like the cloud dancer, they fell. Dust rose. Tilly! River sobbed, her eyes not quite believing the sight. She hurried over to her crumpled body. Theo staggered behind, exhaling loud giant sobs. River placed a hand beneath Tilly's head and her mouth parted giving one last breath. Her eyes closed and she began shrinking, smaller and smaller into the innocent ball of love they all cherished so dearly. The Oriax twitched, injured but alive, ready to leap free now that the weight of Tilly's body had left him. River, get back! Theodore ordered shakily. A bulk of black leather and muscle flashed before them. Alcor straddled the beast, yanked it by the head and twisted. Its neck gave a chorus of cracks and the Oriax lay still, its demonic stir looking straight into River's soul from the afterlife. Thomas! Alco barked. Get out of here now! But Theodore wasn't listening. He was on his knees with his wife, removing his coat to bundle up their fallen family member. Thomas! He repeated, enraged to the point of insanity. If you want to live, you need to leave. You have the duty to protect the girl. Now go! Alco drew the blades from his waist and ran into the mist, ready to kill. With one beast down and another, and another distracted, Alco swung at the Oriac, stood watching. A vicious smile split in its face in two. His knife sunk into its chest and the beast growled, eyes flooded with loathing. Come on, River cried, picking up the shroud, holding it close. Let's get home. He could barely stand, but Theodore found the strength to wrap an arm around his wife's shoulder, and they hobbled to the gates together, out of the anarchy and into the still night beyond. Well, uh, sorry yeah. about that. Um, oh, is she? No, she is. I'm not going to get your hopes up like that. Um, yeah, I think all good books is where people die and shit, in it. Like, yeah. I hate when it's like no one dies. Like, and that makes me sound like a psychopath, but. No, but That's it's just not realistic. So good, they yeah, just it went, is. So, a main character you like, bam, gone, dead. dead. See ya. Uh, yeah. So, aww, that's a shame. Anyway, yeah. see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. 
Uh, I hope you're enjoying it. Um, I very, very much like all your lovely messages. Thanks so much, guys. And we'll see you next time. I'm I for one, I'm very excited to hear more of Caster. Yes, <laughs> oh, I'm the same. <laughs> Aliens. Okay. And the rest. Right. Love you. Bye. Bye.